This episode of the Black Gold Podcast is brought to you in part by the Black Gold Podcast Store, where you can get exclusive Black Gold Podcast merchandise. Here you can purchase the new My Story Matters design on a comfortable t-shirt or in a snug and warm hoodie. Also, you can purchase my new ebook on podcasting called The Podcast Jumpstart Guide to help you get from zero to your first episode teaching you the tools and resources that I've used to build a quality podcast on a low budget. To get your hands on this awesome merch at a discount, go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go to the menu and click on the Black Gold Podcast Store discount button to save 10% off your next order. Hello listeners, on this show I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host Moses Tillman Young and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode... I interview Derek Coleman. He is a copywriter who lives in Illinois. In our conversation, Derek and I discuss the fundamentals of copywriting, how the copy of B2Bs fail to appeal to their ideal customers, and we deep dive into various email tactics that you can use to increase the open rate of your messages. Recording. So, uh, welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. Today, I have with me Derek Coleman. He is a copywriter who lives in Illinois. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing very well. Very well. So how did you get started in what you do, copywriting? First of all, um, for the listeners who don't know what copywriting is, can you please explain it for us? Yeah, sure. Um, copywriting is <clears throat> any anything written to promote a business, uh, so it's basically business advertising um, and writing. Us- usually when people refer to copy uh, or copywriting, they're talking about the the words uh, on a page used to sell. It's kind of like a selling in print, as opposed to you know, like a selling at a car dealership or like in person. Okay. So, what got you into the copywriting world? Well, I was. Uh, well, you know, for the longest time, like for the longest time, I kind of just were kind of just was uh, bouncing around from from job to job. And I never really had like a dream job. I was kind of envious of my friends for that. Some of my friends, they it just seemed like they knew what they wanted to do with their life. And uh, so they could spend, you know, their years moving and inching towards that goal. I never had a dream job. So I was just kind of getting any little job I could 
get my hands on, but I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I've always wanted to, uh, to kind of do my own thing and carve my own path, but I never, uh, you know, up until I learned about copywriting, I just didn't have the tools and I didn't have a path, you know, uh, well, a direction, you know, for that path. So this is probably like, I think, I think I was probably like my, my 18th job, right? <laughs> like, uh, wow. so I'm, I'm age 30, I think. Yeah. I turned 30. This was, uh, the, the very beginning of 2020, uh, before everything kind of, well, you know how 2020 went. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the very beginning of 2020, I'm at my like 18th job and I'm working at a Metro PCS. Um, and I just, I was, I was, you know, coming home every day and my knees were hurting cause I'm, I'm heavy, real top heavy. Uh, so, you know, my knees were hurting, standing up six, seven hours a day. And then, uh, you know, not making very much money at all. I uh, kept the bus for an hour to two hours every day, depending on my location. Um, like to get to and from home. So it was about, it was about two to four hours of commuting every day to get, you know, part-time work. And uh, like I said, not very much pay by the, you know, I leave in the morning, I get home late, late at night. And I just, I didn't really have time to spend with my family. Plus I was trying to learn how to make money online. And uh, I was creating this financial literacy course um, to teach, to teach, well, you know, to teach black people how to manage their finances, which is kind of funny because I didn't really have finances to manage, but (laughs) I had done all this uh, research and study over the last like five years. And I figured I knew a thing or two. I just needed more, in my mind, I needed more money to show my knowledge, but Anyway, so I created this financial literacy course, uh, and that was kind of going to be my my parachute, you know, my escape from the nine to five job. And I could, you know, just sit at home and and uh, I really didn't have plans beyond launching the course. I'm going to be honest. So my thing was I was just going to build it to be as as comprehensive and as easy to understand as possible. And I, I think I think I did a really good job. I felt really confident in it. And in my mind, you know, the little that I knew about online advertising at the time, I thought I'd just fire up a Facebook ad and this thing was going to sell like hotcakes, right? (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) No. I think I I threw about, I think I put about $800 into the whole thing and uh, I got like no I got no return on on my investment and I even lowered the price because I was like well maybe it's the price you know I'm launching this beta version of a of of this course at this you know quote-unquote beta price I'm like okay it's incomplete but like very few people were even clicking it and I'm like oh man like I just don't understand what's what we're wrong like I don't get it yeah I'm like I throw enough money at the thing like you (laughs) I'm like, you know, like even if I didn't make money back, it'd be nice to get a dollar just to know it works. Yeah. But uh I mean, no one's asking for that, right? Like no one's asking for 
for help managing their finances or, or any of that stuff. So I'm like, I created a project, that, a product that nobody wants. And, you know, like I, I reduced the price to like five bucks at one point for a couple of days and still no bites. I'm like, nobody wants it for $5. Wow. <laughs> and it, I think the, uh, the part that really screwed in my head was at the end of it all, I couldn't tell you at that time, I couldn't tell you why it failed. I had no clue. Uh, so I think I have about a thousand dollars left in my account and I have been watching, I've been watching like Danlock copyright. Well, I've been watching Danlock videos at that time. And I was watching, um, a couple of other people like Alex Katani. And I was kind of learning more about copywriting because Danlock said, uh, you need to get a high income skill. And he mentioned copywriting several times. He also had a course now. My opinion of Dan Locke at that time was, you know, this guy is a beast. He's making all this money, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know anything about like the guru scene, you know, I was totally yeah. just to any of that stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, okay, well, in my mind, I'm going to buy Dan Locke's copywriting course. I'm going to, you know, charge $10,000 a project and everything's going to be magical. Well, uh, last time I had spoken to a Dunlock representative, the course was 300. So when I went to go buy the course, um, it was probably like weeks, it's probably like three or four weeks later and it wasn't on sale anymore. So it was back to it's like, I think it was like, I think it was like $900 or I, I don't, I don't exactly remember. It was about a thousand dollars and at, at that price and with the, uh, limited funds that I had in my account, you know, and a girlfriend and a five-year-old. Um, I, I wasn't going to spend nine hundred out of a thousand dollars. Like that's just, you know. Uh, oh crap! I forgot to mention I quit my job at this point. I quit my job because I thought the the course was going to work. So you you quit your job at Metro PCS is where you were working. Uh, yeah, I quit. I quit at the beginning of the New Year's. I was like, you know what? I was met for more than this. <laughs> and I quit so my you, job. Yeah, you so you quit your job, you created this financial literacy course, mm -hmm. and then you found out that no one was interested in that, and then you got into copywriting through watching Dan Locke and his yeah. stuff, finding his course on sale one day. Then it was at the regular price the next day, yeah. and you, wow! So no, if you were to pay, I didn't buy that course. You didn't buy that course, but if you no. were to pay for that, you would have only had a hundred dollars left, correct? Yeah, that's what that's uh that's probably the biggest reason I didn't buy it. I I was looking for um an alternative, and so I just was like, hey, I googled it. I was like, hey, what's the best course for beginner copywriters? And uh, the very first course that they because I was like reading off this this list blog and they listed uh, the top five courses. The first course I just couldn't afford. It, it was like three grand and it comes with, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, the second course was an AWAI course. And that one they said was, was, you know, just as good. It just, it was a lot cheaper. So, uh, and that was at, I think it was at $500. 
But when I clicked the link, it was on sale. So I was like, okay, you can try this. You can try out the uh, accelerated course for $29. And I was just like, oh crap, $29 for 30 days. And then, you know, you pay, uh, I, I would pay like an additional 220. Um, but I already knew I was gonna do it. I was like, you know what? I need to just learn a skill, right? I just learn yeah. a skill and uh, I can't give myself a plan B and I can't give myself a way out. So I just, I just bought it outright for its sale price. I think I paid like 260 altogether. And, uh, and that was it. That's, that's how I got started. That was uh, January, 2020. Just last year. Wow. So, how did you get to land your first client after the course? First of all, how long was the course? And how soon after finishing the course did you land your first client? Um, okay, so the, the first question, how long is it? Uh, they give you, when you buy the course, there's this um, like 90-day success roadmap that they give you. And so, uh, you know, just kind of, excuse me, just kind of following the path um, that they that they set before you in 30 days of maybe, you know, two hours of practice a day, I'm sorry, in 90 days of two hours a day, you'll, uh, you know, be, uh, be pretty prepared to take on your first client and your first projects. Um, but I quit my job, so I had a lot more than two hours a day and I wasn't traveling, uh, you know, by bus or anything anymore. So I, <clears throat> I just threw like crazy hours into it, man. I think I was studying for 12 to 14 hours a day. On some days, I was going like a full 18 hours of just, uh, you know, going through the course and, and everything that they were suggesting from reading copy to writing it to handwriting sales letters and I, my thing was like you know this is a 90-day success plan I need to just get as good as I can as fast as I can and get client experience not even so much like oh you know because there's money like I, yeah obviously uh I needed money and I almost felt a little almost felt a little desperation at times um but I just, like I said, I put my all into this training and I didn't, I didn't give myself a way out. I landed my first client in April. Uh, yeah, April. I my first client. I did a, I did three product descriptions for $750. The guy actually shorted me 50 bucks, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> oh. So you were able to land the client within the first three months after yeah. from. Well, I actually beginning... didn't finish the course before I landed my first client. Really? Yeah, I got to. I think I, I got to this part in the, in the training. I think I was in like module three out of five, and uh, there was a section where, uh, you know, whoever's writing it says that you now know ninety percent of what working copywriters know. And when I saw that, in my mind, 
oh shit, I'm ready. Oh, excuse my French. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I was like, oh, cool, I'm ready. <laughs> so I started kind of hunting for clients. And that's that's probably the only reason why it took as long as it did for me to finish the course. I didn't finish the course until um, I want to say like June because I was working already. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll pass the test when I get around to it. And I did like on a Saturday, I was just bored. I was bored. And I was like, I was talking to my, uh, well, she wasn't my girlfriend at the time, but you know, the woman that would soon become my girl. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go take that AWAR test. <laughs> uh, she's like, what made you get up and do it? I'm like, oh, I just, yeah, I just been kind of like putting it off for, for a while. And I just want to have the nice uh, fancy badge that says, you know, Derek Coleman is AWAI verified and, you know, just giving myself more credibility and stuff. And so, yeah, like an hour and a half later, uh, I passed my test and uh, yeah, boy, then I started, then I raised my fees. That was the first time I raised my prices. You, you raised them to what? Um, well, it depends because I, I do several project types, but uh I think for I want to say I want to say I raise them about twenty percent. Okay. Yeah. Each each project type. Wow. So, throughout the taking the course and landing your client. Who was your mentor? Who helped you? Or if you didn't have have anybody there directly to work with, um, were there any books, videos, or podcasts that you would watch, read, or listen to? Um, yes. Uh, I was... Uh, I was consuming every AWAI sales letter uh audio fi- audio like file um video <laughs> just just the whole range like anything that you can anything i could do to further my my skill set uh, and of course writing copy you know i was writing like a madman even though uh, a lot of my a lot of my early stuff i thought was great at that time looking back it's like oh this is this is terrible. I can't believe somebody paid me to do this. But um, but yeah, like I'd wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do is go for a walk. I'd probably walk like uh, 30 to thirty to 45 minutes uh, around my neighborhood and I'd be listening to an AWAI audio file, uh, whether it was like, you know, um, keys to persuasion or... Um, you know, working with clients or how to, how to get clients. It was like every day I was listening to something new and uh, it was just routine. You know, I was like, I was like very, very mechanical with it. Very machine-like. I had this, uh, I had this program on my mind and I just carry it out every day and not think about, um, you know, when I'm going to get a client, I would just do the things I know I had to do to get a client. And then, so I did. But, uh, but yeah, so AWI, extremely helpful. The website and everything. They got a lot of free content on there. Uh, like, you know, just signing up like for our membership is free. 
Uh, and there are some nice perks to just, you know, being able to check out uh, like the award-winning letters that they have and copy that you can kind of uh, dissect and, and break down and, you know, use those, use what you've learned in those letters to uh, better your better your own copy. Um, and as far as like, I stopped watching like Alex Katani and stopped watching Dan Locke because the more I learned about copywriting, the more I learned that they were kind of just, uh, you know, it was so it was so surface level, the information that you get from those channels, they just didn't apply to me anymore. You know, like it was fine when I knew nothing about copywriting and it piqued my interest. Yeah. Uh, which was amazing. But, um, you know, when you start writing for, for clients and stuff and you, you become more familiar with the art of persuasion, they become a lot less relevant. So I, then I started uh, watching channels like Kyle Milligan. Kyle Milligan YouTube channel. If you're a copywriter or you're interested about copywriting or advertising, go check him out. Kyle Milligan. Uh, I've read his, I actually bought his book right before. Uh, anyway, so I bought his book, Take Their Money. It's so, it was so, so good at um, helping me like dissect and uh, I really break down copy. And I think after buying that book, I actually got um, a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, but even just watching his YouTube videos, um, yeah, he's spilling all these industry, you know, all this industry secrets and all this insider information that you don't really, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, see anywhere else on any yeah, other channel. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it was just super, super invaluable, the information that I got from Kyle Milligan and also Roy Fur. Roy Fur actually started his copywriting career with AWAI as well. So, uh, how do you spell his last name? Fur, uh, I believe it's F U R R. Okay. Roy Fur. Roy Fur. So, you started your copywriting journey in January of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you started off your copywriting business just as the pandemic was starting to spread globally. Yeah. Even though copywriting is essentially, it's a virtual job. Mm -hmm. uh, Were there any difficulties, setbacks that you couldn't get any clients because of the pandemic? Um. Hmm. It's, you know, it's funny because I, it's kind of hard to say. I want to say no, but before the pandemic, I didn't really have a copywriting career. So I don't have anything <laughs> to compare it to. Right. I don't have nothing to compare it to. I want to say so it funny. didn't affect me at all, but you know, maybe last year, if I are sorry, maybe in uh, 2019, if I started, um, I'd have a better answer, but I, you know, there were de- there were definitely clients or, or prospects that I was talking to that um, you know like advertising wasn't a priority for them and they were more concerned with saving their money, which doesn't make any sense at all. But at the same time, uh, you know I, I wasn't going to argue with them about it. I'm not going to try to uh, convince them to 
to buy something that they're not interested in. You know, that's just like sales 101. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I have a, I had a, I have a sales background. I was in, you know, I did like commission only sales for three years. Um, but like, I think I have about like eight years of sales experience. So like talking to people and persuading has always kind of been in my life. Uh, I don't usually have troubles. Um, even in my early, you know, cop, well, I keep calling it my early copywriting career. It was just last year. I got to, I got to relax, but, <laughs> um, you know, even like the beginning, the very beginning, uh, I didn't, I don't, I didn't find too much trouble convincing people that I was providing a premium service. Um, and they seen my writing. I had so many examples of my writing. I, I was, I was writing sales letters for fun back then, like just because I enjoyed it. I got swept up in it. Uh, yeah. Uh, did they have any um, objections to your to your prices, to your um, copywriting that would that you could then say to them, uh, listen, you could do this, this, and this, or you could go with my solution and you'd get this, this, and this. Were there any um, objections from clients? I actually got my first objection right after I got my first client. Uh, so got my first client, you know, um, I got some good experience. He had never outsourced anything to a copywriter before, but after I seen his website, uh, I just thought, man, I could really, I could really help this guy. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, even if, you know, I don't have to be the best copywriter in the world, but I can, I can clearly see that this isn't good. And uh, it's, it's probably doing a lot more harm than good. And I gave him some other suggestions about how he could, um, you know, give himself a, give his website a theme and, and make it look more modern. And it was like a, he was selling like sex toys, he had like a website for sex toys. So it was the first thing I wrote was about um, like straps and, you know, <laughs> uh, fun, fun time accessories. Uh, but I, you know, so I was giving, giving him some suggestions to make his, um, his, uh, his items, like the forefront of what's going on. And, you know, like as soon as people see his page beforehand, they would just see a giant wall of text and the website looked like it was something out of the nineties, you know, it's really, really, it's very, very old. Um, so I, you know, I changed his, because uh, we had a pretty good working relationship up until, you know, the very end. I like, changed his theme and all that stuff. And uh, and I wrote some, at the time, it was my best work. <laughs> I wrote some pretty good copy. In hindsight, it's pretty bad. But, uh, you know, you kind of live and you learn. <clears throat> um, and then my, uh, the next the next person I had uh, approached, uh, we had been talking for a couple of weeks uh, and I actually met them both in uh, Billy Jean is marketing's uh, 30 day, 30 day group. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so she, you know, I, I talked to this person and we, we initially, I felt like we kind of hit it off. And uh, 
she was looking for a writer. She had seen me all throughout the Facebook group. And, you know, the beginning I, I was writing, you know, I would write posts that were getting, you know, 400 comments and yeah. like 200 likes and things like that. So it was really hard not to notice me, not to sound arrogant. Um, so, you know, she talked to me um, and we had this kind of little interview thing and, and things seemed really good. She asked me for some writing samples. I sent her some writing samples of blogs because that's really what uh, at the time she was looking for. And I don't, I didn't, I didn't write blogs then. I don't really write blogs now because uh, I'm just not interested in writing that stuff. And, and not, and not to say that it's not copywriting, but I'm not really interested in the content writing side of things. Um, and uh, my blog sucked. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll just be honest. My blogs were terrible. Um, and like I said, at that time, it was the best that I could do. You know, I'm a lot better at them now, but I still don't like writing them. Uh, more often than not, I don't. So she sees my sample. She gets back to me. Uh, I think the next, either the next day or later that night, I think it was later that night. And, uh, and she said it in the nice way, the nicest way possible through an email. Well, she kind of said it in the nicest way possible. Uh, she said that uh, this isn't the level of writing I'm looking for right now. Oh, it's like a punch to the gut, man. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate how she didn't blast me. You know what I mean? She yeah. could have easily been like, "This is trash, folk. Like, what are you doing?" You should just quit and go back to uh, Radio Shack or whatever, you know. Like it could have been, it could have been really, really bad, but it still hurt. You know, this isn't the level of writing that I'm looking for right now. I'm like, uh, oh man. What did you do after that? Did you then have a resolve to to do better or? Um. I, I honestly didn't change anything. I didn't change. I didn't change a thing because I was, uh, I was practicing my butt off every day. You know, like I said, I'd wake up listening to audio tapes or audio, you know, files about copywriting. I'd watch videos. I was writing more than anything. I was handwriting sales letters. You know, I was working with, uh, I was working with a client. And, you know, just the act of marketing, you know, writing down, um, you know, the cold, e the various cold emails and the Facebook outreach and all the stuff I was doing, I was getting a lot of writing experience. I was getting a lot of marketing experience really quickly. But in the beginning, there's not really much you can do to, to fast track that, you know, besides like having a mentor, which at the time I couldn't afford. And so like my thing was, I need to just stay the course. Yes, this hurts. Um, but if I try to, but if I go and change anything now, it's kind of like I'm taking, you know, I'm taking away the little bit of free time and a little bit of, um, uh, I don't even know how else to say this. You know, my, my tactic was basically to just focus on getting as good as I can. And um, 
I couldn't really speed it up, you know, without without help. Uh, so I was like, you know, instead of trying to, you know, work on blogs to get better at blogs, because that's what this client wants. I just stuck with what I was doing. You know, there's there's so many other people out there that can use the things that I'm actually good at. You know, why would I derail myself and try to get better at this one content type? Because that's what she wants. It just didn't make sense. Plus, like I said, I didn't like it. So I could write a sales letter for fun and I love it. Uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of where my best work was going to come from. It's writing, you know, emails and, and, and things like that. So I just, no, I, I just stuck with my guns. Uh, I actually did end up working with her uh, later, uh, later on down the line. Uh, and, you know, and that was cool. That was cool. She gave me, she gave me an outline and everything. Um, she kind of told me what, what she was looking for. I got to see the, I got to see the finished product after it was put on the website and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was nice. It was very nice. It came out of nowhere too. She never gave me a testimonial though. I asked her for a testimonial a couple times, like like three or four times. She just she never replied even to this day. But I'm like, you know, whatever. I got your money, so I guess. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. It's so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, uh, so copywriting isn't just, you know, writing about product descriptions or writing for advertisements. It's also, uh, like you said previously, doing uh, websites. And I think you said emails. How come emails are important in copywriting? Uh, well, emails are... They can be used for for several different purposes, but I think the the most important purpose for email is to just stay in front of your market, you know, to stay in touch with them. Um, and you know, ninety, I, I, f- I forgot who who had who made the statistic, but uh, market research shows that ninety nine percent of people wake up and check their email, and. You know, even before I became a copywriter, I know I did check it every day. <laughs> I check, well, now I check my email like maybe 17 times a day. But um, yeah, just staying in front of your market, letting them know about uh, upcoming uh, policy changes or upcoming products or, you know, if you guys have done an event and, you know, whatever, whatever messages you want to broadcast, um, to your following, to your audience. And uh, when people ask, you know, is email dead? No, it's, it's, it's far from dead. Um, from an ROI standpoint, email is still the most profitable way, um, the most profitable, uh, sorry, like a channel for, for advertisements for businesses. On average, you get a four, what was it? I think it's like a 38, uh, 38%, or I'm sorry, a 38. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so you put a dollar in, you get 38 out. I don't know why I couldn't say that the other way that I normally do. But anyway, so uh, it's it's highly, it's highly profitable, way more profitable than Facebook ads, uh, or, just, or just paid ads in general. It's it's crazy profitable. Um, but like I said, it, it's really just to stay, stay in, you know, in, in touch with your market. 
staying in their face, staying on top of mind, especially if the emails are fun to read. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get some emails that are like little stories. They are um, like fun thing happened today. You know, mm-hmm. this person went out to the store and got this product and then like, oh, it's like, how come we didn't use ours? We ran out of we ran out of it. And so then, you know, we have to make some more. And so it's just like a little story to keep in touch, as you said, like with the audience. Yeah, they're and stories are really what's like if you're if you're looking if you want to use emails to sell stories are really what sell like like crazy um so my girlfriend she's also she's also a writer um she's also a copywriter so my girlfriend she signs up for this um uh you know some kind of like hair solution she's looking for you know she she's she's been complaining lately that her well, at the time, she's complaining that you know her hair is not as nice as it was. It's not as shiny or uh, or as healthy as it once was, and used to have this really nice bounce. <laughs> I don't know what hair bounce is, but uh, whatever, you know, that's her thing. And uh, so she started looking for a solution. I guess she maybe maybe she was looking, or maybe she just got Facebook ads because she said she was looking for hair related products. Um, so she comes across this, you know, she comes across this lady, you know, giving away like a free, uh, 15 day hair challenge or whatever, whatever. Uh, but what really caught my attention was the emails. She, er, I don't, I almost said her name. My girlfriend, (laughs) my girlfriend doesn't, uh, she doesn't really eat, uh, read emails and she doesn't like to read like long form anything right she's like give me the tldr just give me the short version you know keep it short yeah uh but you know i saw her reading this email and she's like babe this this email is really really good and me being you know the email guy walk over there i'm like how good you know let me see and uh the emails were so good i actually wrote an email to my email list about what a hairdresser taught me about writing emails (laughs) the story was so good i was just like oh man i'm like oh i gotta get on that level yeah i'm not even interested in hair i just wanted to follow the storyline this this is insane you know it's and it's got so much it's got so much personality and you know my girlfriend she's nodding her head up and down which anytime you read copy you know that really resonates with you when you're reading it start nodding you're like yeah yeah <laughs> i get that i agree with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it it feels good because you're like this person's talking to me you know they, yeah. they know me they understand me yeah it feels personal it does it does and you know it's, it's written like she's just talking to one of her home girls, you know and uh it was, it was so good i actually signed up for that email list man I'm like when it. I'm like when did this. Uh, when did this hair influencer become a copywriter? Because she never mentions that in any <laughs> in any of these stories. Uh, but yeah, the emails. Uh, I think we. I think she got like uh, my girl got like five emails, and then they they kind of just stopped coming. So it was it was an autoresponder. Okay. Nice. But uh, yeah, but you know, that lady doesn't. She doesn't email her list enough. 
because I literally haven't gotten an email since, you know, the hair challenge or whatever. Uh, I was like, man, that's, I was dissecting those emails. I was studying them, which is, which is pretty common practice for copywriters to study each other's work. But um, I was like, wow, like the story beats, you know, you could tell, uh, you know, the rhythm was changing as you're reading. There are parts where, you know, she's, she's going on, you know, kind of on and on, like she's, she's ranting, you know, at, at a rapid pace. Yeah. Other times it's, you know, it's uh, it's sarcasm and you could just feel the emotions change in, in yourself as well. When you're reading it, you're like, wow, this is, this is great. You know, this is really good stuff. Oh, I got to take yeah. a sip of water. <laughs> it's all good. Um, what industries would you say have copy that they could need a revitalization of their copy in terms of rewriting their copy structure, the way that they word things? Are there any industries that come to mind when you think of they have bad copy, I can fix it for them? Um, I mean, I've seen, I've seen copywriting and, and I've seen bad copywriting and on probably every industry I can think of. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really a spectrum, right? Like, because you got to, ask yourself what is good what does good writing sound like you know what does good writing look like yeah and it really just depends on the audience so sometimes it's sometimes it's unfair to be harsh to certain copy because you don't know what step in their marketing plan you know you're reading copy from uh and you also you, you also you also don't know if you're looking at the control or not. The control is is you know the the top dog in the, of their copy, whatever uh, the product, whatever the project type is, the writing project um, is basically king of the hill, you know. So, like if you're looking at a sales page, there might be you know three four different variations of that sales page because they're just trying to find out which one's going to work the best, and in whichever one you know is their highest performing, that's the control, uh, or that's what we would call a control. So, you know, you might be looking at a control and if that's the case, if you think it's bad, you probably beat it, you know, if you try. Uh, but as far as like copy, like revamps, I, I, I've been pivoting to uh, B2B copy, which is business to business copy. And there is a huge need for B2B copywriters, like absolutely massive. Um, and if you go on, you know, like like a digital marketer website, or if you go on um, like anyone selling some kind of software solution, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. They just use all these, uh, these giant words in this vague language. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, they're using the language of their industry and they're trying to sound smart and they're trying to seem sophisticated, but it's, it doesn't impress anyone. And in fact, you're probably losing a lot of sales because you think this flowery language is persuasive. Like, oh, look how intelligent I am. You know, it's really just ego stroking. You're stroking your own ego. 
um but it's not it's not persuasive and and it's very off-putting and not just because i don't understand it right my my job as a b2b copywriter for one is to decipher whatever a company does and speak it in a plain english but in a persuasive way to where it helps move a buyer along their process um so i do this for a living literally i live off of this <laughs> but yeah. but uh you know to someone who doesn't have to read this stuff they're not yeah yeah so um yeah be to, and consequently enough b2b is actually where the big money is if you're a copywriter and it's it's actually easier than uh than the regular copy that you find you know, can, uh, speaking to consumers, just because there's a lot less of the, um, there's a lot less persuasion involved. It's, it's, it's more, um, it's more information and less persuasion. Whereas like, you know, B2C copy, it's, it, it's mostly persuasion. <laughs> People want to know, okay. you know, is this going to make me sexier? Is it going to make me slimmer? You know, uh, am I going to have to, do a lot of exercise to lose weight with these supplements or can I sit on my ass, uh, drink a beer and watch the prices right and still lose. <laughs> That's, you know, that, but those are things that people are, are interested in. They want it easy. You know, they want the results quickly and they want huge, massive results. Um, so yeah, B2B, it's all, you know, these, uh, you know, these giant corporations, they're not going to make, $250 million purchases because you say that, uh, you know, these solutions could be implemented quickly. No, they need to see hard facts, numbers, uh, statistics, you know, they need raw data and they want to know the truth. And, uh, you know, they'll know if you're blowing smoke up there, up their butts, you know, so it's, it's a lot more informational. Yeah. So like using words like, uh, Superior business solutions. We take care of your needs by providing services that allow you to integrate such and such with da da da. So all of that technical, as you said, flowery language, yeah. like uh, was like solutions and yeah, I, um, I really like hate that. <laughs> yeah, solutions because it's just so broad. <laughs> yeah, it can be anything. It can be, you know, a complete rewiring of a mainframe or it could just be, you know, duct tape on something. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Duct tape is a solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so so bad. the business to business, it, it's the rewriting the copy in a way that it's personal to the end consumer, correct? Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, instead of, uh, you know, like all the all the crazy talk, all the corporates speak, you just tell them, you know, hey, uh, these forklift trucks are going to help your production line move faster and they're going to be safer for your drivers. We've, you know, updated the, the springs or, you know, whatever the hydraulics to do X, Y, and Z. So now, and then you, you know, you tell them the benefits of that new hydraulic, you know, or what makes this model different from last year's model. And um, and you just speak to them in a very business casual way, and you know it's still you're still using elements of persuasion like you would in B to C. Excuse me, but um, 
you know, the things that uh, a business buyer is interested in is a bit different, you know, and they, they need proof. And uh, the sales cycle is longer. You know, they're not going to sit down and read a sales letter and be like, all right, it's time to buy. You know, this is <laughs> this is $500 million. No big deal. Let me just hit out to cart. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's different there. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. So what industry would you say for someone who was just studying out in copywriting that they should go ahead and and reach out to? Uh, I think wherever wherever you have the most experience, um, yeah, what, yeah, whatever, you know, kind of take a look at your, take a look at your resume, take a look at your work experience. Uh, and wherever you have the most experience, I would say just just write for that niche. My my journey has has you know I think my journey's been somewhat easy, like in hindsight, you know, to where I got to this point. But I think I would have had a much better time if I niched down because even you know I, I'm barely uh, kind of writing for my niche now. But uh, like I've always been a salesman and I've. And I've gone through sales trainings. I have sales experience. I have a sales background, but I didn't want to write B to B copy out of the gate, and so I didn't go that route. Um, as a result, I didn't have a niche. I would say, pick a niche. It's going to make the process of finding a client faster. It's going to make your writing process faster because you already know who you're talking to. You know what they want. Uh, and uh, you know, you just you have a you have a greater understanding of that market, just you know. Period. Uh, I had to write about landscaping once. I probably spent I probably spent thirty minutes of writing, and three minutes of researching, because I I don't know anything about it. <laughs> you know, but I've written I've written about uh, like supplements that I I use. Uh, and it doesn't take me half that long to do research and write because I, I'm familiar with the product. I know what it does. Um, yeah, so I would say I would say one, I would say niche down to the industry that you have the most experience in. And if you don't want to do that, then just go B2B. <laughs> go B2B, pick something. Uh, the, the biggest thing is just to commit to an industry. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to be like a lifelong commitment, but, you know, try something out for a month and see how it goes. See how you like writing about, you know, X, Y, and Z products or, or whatever industry. But uh, I think my greatest successes started to come when I was like, okay, I want to work with digital marketers. So I had to learn more about them. You know, what are they, what are they interested in? You know, what kind of what kind of things are they watching? What are they doing in their spare time? You know, uh, what is it like running an agency that I learned that they're super, super busy people. And so I was able to like tailor my outreach to that lifestyle. Hey, this person's super busy. It's going to take, you know, it's probably going to take a lot more contact points for me to land this client because, uh, you know, they're just up and at them every day, 20 hours a day. This guy's running a business. So, you know, I can't send this person really long emails. I got to keep it short. Um, 
like really short. Sometimes I'll just send an email that has one sentence and it'll have a question mark and the guy will give me, you know, a couple words in response. And then, <laughs> you know, the four days later, I'll shoot him a text message. Uh, and it just, it just very, um, very touch and go, you know, but that's, those are the kind of people, uh, you know, especially if they're successful, like if, you know, if they're really doing it, that's how they are, you know. It's like, all right, come on. If you're going to talk with me, you got to walk and talk real quick. Come on. <laughs> yeah, keep it simple, straight yeah. through, you know, nothing extra, just the straight, yeah, the straight truth. Yeah, definitely. You're not going to send them, a, you're not going to send them a sample sales letter because they're not going to read that. Uh, even, the, even the samples I send them are short. They're short emails that are, you know, like 125, 125 words. Or uh, I did I did this challenge where I try to write you know <clears throat> I try to write I try to write emails in seventy five words I'll send them samples like that <laughs> send them like four or five of them yeah how well do they convert is there a difference between long emails and shorter emails in terms of conversions. Um, longer emails actually tend to convert better, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think you just, you have more time to get into the story. Um, it kind of goes back to the hairdresser. I was though, sorry, the hair influencer I was talking about earlier. Her emails were, you know, 800 words. That's a, that's a freaking blog post. But every time me and my girlfriend got one, we would sit down and read the entire thing. Cause they were just so damn good. Um, and yeah, my, my girl, she, you know, she bought into the challenge and I think she got an upsell. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and you get to learn so much about them during that, uh, during those sequences that it was like, yeah, you almost felt like, you know, the person and it feels good. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just it's a lot more persuasive if you let's say you're selling a excuse me let's say you're selling a notebook and uh yeah you can have a you can have a shorter email and it'll probably get more opens where it's like hey the click through the click through rate i'm sorry the open rate is higher and maybe the click rate's higher um when you're just like hey this is the notebook this is what it looks like buy my product and that email will sell it it will Right, if it's written, if it's written halfway decent, it'll probably sell. Um, but if you're like, here's a notebook, here's a picture, and here are a bunch of reasons why you should buy it, click here to buy the product, it's gonna sell well, it's gonna sell better. Uh you just you know, you have more time to to get the reader to visualize themselves using the product, how it's gonna how it's gonna benefit their life, you know, how they're gonna feel younger. Um how they're going to feel stronger and get in better shape or, you know, whatever your product advantages are, whatever the benefits are, you just get more time to, to, to pitch, you know, and really what you're, I mean, you're not really trying to sell them through the email. What you're really trying to do is get them to, to go to the next page, you know, or go, yeah. you know, take the next action. But uh, <clears throat> do you think that emails with, like long emails with images convert better than just straight up text. Mm, 
That's one. That's a that's actually a really good question. When I have long emails, I don't usually use images unless it's like, you know, I put this image here so you can click on it. <laughs> um I would I would probably I would probably shy away from them unless they were um you know kind of like specific to your niche. So like like if if you have if you're running a massage business, I probably wouldn't put a bunch of memes in there or anything, you know, that's like really off brand. <clears throat> unless yeah. it's like unless you just have one of those kinds of email lists. It really just depends on your readers and all honesty. Because at, at the end of the day, you're your uh, your results are going to vary depending on the quality of your email list. Some people sign up for stuff just to, you know, they'll, they'll sign up because they bought something. Uh, they don't really want to be on your email list, and they don't too much care. And a lot of uh, I find that uh, uh, even myself, there there are email lists that I'm on that I I don't unsubscribe because uh, I don't even know, <laughs> you know, like I don't read these emails anymore. Um, but I don't unsubscribe, which hurts, you know, like conversion and it hurts open rates and all that stuff. But, um, I would say if you want to, if you, if you're concerned about like your open rates and like your metrics, I would say just clean out your email list, you know, every few months, you know, Hey, this guy hasn't, you know, these, these select people, they haven't, uh, opened an email or interacted with our emails. I'd send I'd, you know, in 90 days, I would send them, um, any, you know, uh, like a three, like a two or three email series just saying, Hey, I don't know if you're interested in X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever reason they sign up for. Um, but if you are, just let me know that you're, you know, still here or you're still interested and you just give them a few chances to click and go, Hey, I'm here. Like, don't, don't, um, don't subscribe me. Um, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, if you have a hundred thousand people on your email list, chances are you got a lot of dead weight there. <laughs> people yeah. that, that haven't, you know, they, they don't have their phones anymore. <laughs> they don't know about Gmail. I don't know. <laughs> They're not interested anymore, you know, but they just don't want to subscribe because I don't know. It takes time and effort. What is the best email? marketing platform that you have encountered or that you currently use? I I currently use uh, MailerLite um, just because it has, it has a lot of features that you normally have to pay for in, in the free version. Uh, plus, I have a you know f- small email list. So, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I've used MailerLite. I've used MailGun. MailGun is no bueno. I don't like it. Uh, I, I've used, I always want to call it Mail Monkey, MailChimp. MailChimp. <laughs> I've used MailChimp. MailChimp is, MailChimp is really good if you're paying for it. Um, unless you just need something really, really basic, you know, for the free version. If you're going free, I would just go with Mailer Lite, honestly, like straight up. Mailer Lite is probably the, the best free version. Um, email software out there. How do you spell light? Is it L-I-T-E? L-I-T-E. Or L-I- okay, L-I-T-E. Yeah, L-I-T-E. Mailer light. 
uh, and you can actually run a, a very profitable email list just with a free email software and you know uh, well I mean you have to be able to drive traffic to that email list but uh, you know like a whole website and all that stuff's not needed uh, if you sign up for uh, Mailer Light has this this paid add-on it's like 10 bucks a month and you can create a landing page and they have themes that you could just you know plug and play with right away and start driving traffic there get people on your email list and sell them your affiliate links or whatnot which is uh which is what i've been doing <laughs> what nice. are your thoughts oh sorry go ahead i'm like it's nice <laughs> yeah um what are your thoughts about uh email footers and email headers in terms of either uh service or brand do you think that they're essential Mm. Mm. it really I, once again it really just depends on the on the business um most most marketers uh it's just plain text you know it's just plain yeah. text. it keeps it keeps the readers focus on the persuasive text um and when you have you know a lot of extra clutter and all that stuff it just detracts your reader's attention and you know when people are reading subconsciously they're looking for any little reason to click away because it's not something if you know if it's not something you enjoy doing which i think i think it's safe to say most people don't enjoy reading you know they're we're not <laughs> we're visual animals you know and i don't i don't think uh, a lot of people really enjoy you know reading email scrolling through could be wrong it, yeah. about that yeah but i, I honestly i say just in general <laughs> just in general but um but yeah yeah like if you're you know you're in your email inbox the first the first thing you encounter when you read it you're like not nah, something about that's not right you're just gonna yeah. you're gonna click away um so it could be and that could be an image right so you, to give yourself to give yourself as as of, of great of a fighting chance as possible, I would say just go with the plain text. Um, a lot of the best members, a lot of the the uh, you know the best copywriters, A level copywriters, they you know maybe maybe you'll have a logo at the top. I used to mess with the logo at the top, but um, but my logo sucked, so it was really hurting me more than anything. <laughs> I just I just made this logo myself, you know, at Canva, uh, and it's it was it wasn't that great, but I was proud of it, so I displayed it, um, and it took it took up too much of the email, so I was like, you know, you got to scroll to get to my first paragraph. It's not good, no bueno. Yeah. Um, plain text every day, all day, in my opinion. Okay. What about subject lines? Hmm. How do you craft them in a way that your ideal reader would want to open your message? You have to know what you're, you have to know what they want. You have to know what they want. And um, sometimes, sometimes even the things that you're selling, it's not really what they want. Yeah. 
Like, you know, when you buy a home gym, you don't want a home gym. You want to get in shape from the comfort of your home. Uh, you don't you don't want to, you know, have to travel to, you know, be around all these people, right? Like privacy is important to you. Convenience is important to you. Uh, being able to go out there, you know, in your pajamas or whatever your thing is, you know, that's important to you. Uh, having, <clears throat> having control over what machinery or what equipment's there, that's important to you. Um, but just, you know, hey, you want to be able to, you know, like I said, lose weight from the comforts of your home. If, if that's what your reader wants, then that's kind of what you would put in a subject line. But at the same time, if you're testing emails, which you should be, <clears throat> uh, and you've already wrote that subject line a few times, probably not going to keep doing it over and over and over. And that's a that's the thing about <clears throat> that's the thing about email subject lines is it's easy to say, you know, write about what your what your readers want, you know, uh, uh, invoke the feelings of curiosity, you know, pique their curiosity, pique their interest, um, communicate it benefits them, all that stuff. I think the the more that you the more that you actually learn about who you're writing to, the more effective your communications can be. Uh, and you know, there are several ways to learn about who's reading your stuff. You can literally just send them. Uh, you literally send them an email asking them what they want. <laughs> like, you don't. It doesn't have to be any elaborate crazy thing. It, you don't have to. You know, um, send them polls or send them. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, surveys and stuff like that. I mean, that stuff is good too. But just you know, learning learning what they want. Uh, if you have like a Facebook page and your readers are, are, you know, on your Facebook page or one of your course, you know, Facebook communities, they're asking questions. They are, uh, they're telling you their, their pain points. They're telling you their ow-ows, you know, the, the things that, that hurt, the things that sucks, things that make them feel good and things that, that break them down. And, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're vocal. They're vocal. And even, even if you have a community where, you know, only a few people are, are posting consistently, you, uh, you know, some people are going to get thumbs up on their comments. Uh, some people are going to get hearts and stuff. So just looking at the engagement and seeing, okay, well, this resonates with my readers. This, this is what they want. This is something that they're looking for. This kind of hurts their feelings and they don't like it very much. How can my business offer, you know, this group of people a solution? And so, like, if you have social media, which yeah. every business should, you literally so, have. What would you say about using emojis, especially in the either the, the email text or in the subject line of the email? Uh, I would say emojis are like a spice. Use them very, very sparingly. Uh, you don't want to overdo it. I'll. I think they're I think they're I think they're very effective but uh it's it's very easy to overdo emojis especially because uh other other companies are hip to it now you know yeah so it's 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 a lot more common commonplace than it used to be <clears throat>
So you would say sparingly, like for example, like during the holidays, you might use it for like a wrapping a Christmas box uh, or a heart of a Valentine's Day kind of thing, but don't use them heavily. Like I, in terms of feeling good, you know, happy yeah. face, you know, feeling bad, angry face. Okay. I would I would probably go the opposite route than the seasonal emojis, just because everyone, like you know, like I said, a lot of other everyone uses that. Okay. Yeah. But uh, pick a pick a dry month. Pick a month where or or a week where nothing happens or nothing usually happens. <laughs> you know, no video game comes out, no blockbuster movie, no nothing, and just throw an emoji in there, see what happens. I mean, the biggest the biggest thing is really to just uh, write as many or have as many emails as you can to test. Yeah, test testing to see w- what works and have a and make sure you have uh, a method to track, you know, how many people are clicking. Uh, and then you know you just do more of the things that that people enjoy, the people on your list. Another that's another way to get to know them. Uh, well, Derek, this has been a great conversation. Thank Where you. can people go to learn more about what you do? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can look me up on Facebook. My name is Derek Coleman. D e r e k c o l e m a n. And your copywriter, they'll find you under copywriter, you know. Yeah. For your description. Okay. I well, Derek, I, I have one last question for you. Sure. Um, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? <clears throat> I would say reach out to your idols while they're still alive and tell them how much they've meant to you. Why would you say that? Because uh, growing up watching um, watching Muhammad Ali fights, watching uh, you know Jet Li movies, um, Rocky movies, especially um, you know like grandparents and stuff. You just you don't you don't think about that one day they're not going to be here, and. Uh, I think it's I think it's really nice to let somebody know how impactful they are while they're still here. We have uh, people like you know Nipsey and Kobe, who are you know huge to uh, our communities, and we don't I don't feel like we express how important they are while they're alive. I didn't know about anything that Nipsey Hussle did before he passed. You know, it, it wasn't until after that you know it comes out. Uh, that he's doing all these amazing things for for LA and for the black community, and I think that's sad. I think it's sad that we only uh, care when someone dies. But Nipsey can't see the murals that we painted uh, in in our streets for him, and uh, you know Michael Jackson didn't know that we cared, you know before he before he overdosed or whatever happened to him. Um, yeah, so I, I would say reach out to them, tell them that they're important. Um, you know, whether it's a family member, uh, stepdad, whoever, let them know that that they're important, that you that you care about them, you love them, or you know what have you, so they can see it before they go, or before you go. 
know, just take care of each other. Spread love. Well, Derek Coleman, thank you so much for being on the Black and Gold podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people will be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else.